Welcome to Your Strata Property, the podcast for property owners looking for reliable, accurate, and bite-sized information from an experienced and authoritative source. To access previous episodes and useful strata tips, go to www.yourstrataproperty.com.au. Hello and welcome. I'm Amanda Farmer and I have with me today the lovely Rena Van Alst. Hi, Rena. Hi, Amanda. How are you? I'm doing very well. I am getting back into the swing of things after a little holiday last week. Uh, did you take any time off, Rena? Yeah, I actually had two days off in a row, Amanda, because Anzac Day is in between our wedding anniversary and oh. my birthday. So really? I ended up sort of thinking, you know what, I'm taking birthday leave as well. Good <laughs> so on you, birthday wonderful. leave. I like that. Yeah. And did you go away or just did a bit of a staycation? No, staycation because we're going away in, at the end of August for six weeks. So I thought I might as well just save my time for that. Yeah, good on you. I know that feeling. We'll be heading off, I think, around September. It seems like a long way away, but you've got to start planning that stuff now, especially yeah. when you're running your own business. Exactly, yeah. Schedule it up in. very quickly. <laughs> it does. Now let's jump into our wins and challenges for the week. Rena, what has your challenge been this week? Well, I took on the scheme last year and they had obtained two quotes because there was a lot of water penetration coming from the roof into one of the lots. And the lots had just been recently renovated. And they said, Rena, we just can't afford again to have any more water coming in. So we've decided to get two quotes to fix this. And can you make sure it's on the agenda? So I put it on the agenda and then the owner, other community members you know, said, well, how do we know which one to go with? And I said, well, it's really hard because one was double the other. And as mm-hmm. lay people, you don't really know whether the methodology that's being proposed is going to do the fix. Mm-hmm. And sometimes the cheapest may actually be the right one, but sometimes it's not. So we end up getting an engineer and unfortunately he, he said, well, either one could work, but this is only a sort of a Band-Aid fix. And that was fine. So on that basis, the community said, okay, well, we'll try and go with the cheaper one because obviously the fixes are very similar and not sort of long term. So they asked me to accept the quotation. And so I emailed the company. Obviously, I didn't have them on my database of contractors. And I said, oh, can I have your insurances and your license number? Because the license number wasn't on the quote, which I thought it was a bit strange. But anyway, so they sent me the license number and the insurances. And when I did the search on the license, I found out that the license was actually in the name of the individual and not the company. And then I did um, a search on the company license that was – which had not been included, but it was referenced in in that particular license check. And it said that that company license had been suspended because they hadn't paid a CTTT fine from 2015 or something. I can't remember what year it was. Then I emailed the strata committee and said, I'm sorry, but here's the results of my checking. This person, their license has been cancelled. And the funny thing too, man, was that they actually wanted a deposit of like, I think, 20% before they even did work. And I'm thinking, thank God I did all these checks because, you know, had we not known and something goes wrong in the future, then that license doesn't apply to the company. It's an individual's license and yet our contract is with the company. So we were very, very grateful and they said, thank you, Rena, for doing all this checking for us because, you know, we would have gone with someone that, you know, wasn't correctly licensed and had obviously some trouble with the CTRT because they hadn't paid a fine that had been imposed on them sometime. And therein lay the answer to perhaps why they were so cheap compared to your other quote. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. But I think the other the thing the committee then did some research on the other quote, and I think it was very – even though it was double, I think there was something not right with that one either. So we're oh. not looking 
either of those quotes. <laughs> yeah, it's rough, isn't it, that owners' yeah. corporations are subject to this and that you really have to know how to do your due diligence, being aware that if you are contracting with a company, then the licence number needs to match that company. And it is quite common in my experience that the director of the company may have a separate licence in their personal name, but yeah. you should be contracting with the licence holder so that if there's ever a problem, then you can pursue that person and that they are a licensed contractor. That's correct, definitely. So, yeah, I think it's something for a lot of owners and managers to be aware of, especially if you're not using some sort of company to check all this information because I mean, a lot of people use amount of trade monitors that you've had on your yes. podcast. Yeah, EBICs, and, yeah. and normally, yeah, they will validate and check all the licences. But if it's quotes that someone's just giving you, yeah, sometimes owners and committee members go out and get their own quotes, which is all fine, but, but you've got to check them in the same way. Yep, good reminder. Well, my challenge for this week, Rena, relates to the collective sale process under Part 10 of our Strata Schemes Development Act in New South Wales. Now, this is the process where 75% of lot owners can approve the sale of the entire Strata building. It's something that came in with our new law in November 2016, and we are seeing the first few of these sales start to play out. We've actually got a couple of reported cases from the Land and Environment Court at the moment that deal only with some interim issues to do with those approval proceedings, approving a collective sale. We don't have a finalised decision yet, but all lawyers are watching those very closely. But what I want to talk about today is this. I had a uh, owner of a commercial lot contact me and he's in a building that I know quite well and I actually do a bit of work for in a bustling part of Sydney and he'd been contacted by a real estate agent who I was told was also contacting many other owners in the building and this agent had said, we are wanting to purchase your lot we are going to try to get at least 75% of all lots in the building and we want to enter into an option agreement with you where we pay you a small option fee now and if we manage to get options on 75% of the lots, then we're going to exercise our option, we're going to purchase all of those and then we're going to proceed with a redevelopment of the scheme. And they're going to use, if they need to, Part 10 of the Development Act to make sure that they can do that without unanimous approval. And the interesting thing that this agent had told this lot owner was that if you don't sell to me now and you hold out and you become what we call a dissenting owner in this Part 10 collective sale process, you'll never get as much as what we're offering you today. And <laughs> this made this particular owner really nervous. They rang me. They said, Amanda, what's going on? This agent's telling me if I don't sell now under these terms, then I'm not even going to get market value for my property. The court's going to sell it. The law says I must sell. I won't get as much as I deserve. Do I need to jump at this opportunity now? Is this agent Gee. right? And I thought, oh, I wonder how many agents around town are trying that one on and maybe acting for developers or developers themselves who are using this threat of a part 10 collective sale to 
to have owners sell up immediately or uh, more quickly and try to acquire as many lots as they can. I'm not sure if you've heard about this happening, Rena. No, I haven't heard of those sort of tactics being used, Amanda, although it doesn't surprise me. But mm. I think the REI would be just interested to know about some of these types of agents because the REI is doing a lot of work trying to improve the image of agents, you know, with yes. uh, changes to their um, act and everything. So I think that these types of actions and shenanigans by, I would say, probably a minority of yes. people. But, you know, unfortunately, people tell you that and it's a whole new area of the law in, in the Act. I think mm. it does cause a lot of anxiety and confusion for people. Mm, yes, and what I want to be clear about for any owners who are concerned about this or perhaps have had similar approaches, the Part 10 process under the Development Act, if you happen to be an owner who doesn't agree to the collective sale or redevelopment of a building and you're in that 25% opposition and the building has to go through the process of getting the sale approved at the Land and Environment Court, the fact is that you must be properly compensated for the sale of your lot. And the legislation is quite thorough and quite particular about making sure that you get the value at the highest and best use of your property, and that's a valuation term, and that you also get compensation. So the legislation that our legislation has been modelled on is the Just Terms Compensation Act, which is the same legislation that the state government uses when they are compulsorily acquiring property and they offer market value plus compensation. And it generally works out that you are getting what you are entitled to, what you deserve for your specific circumstances when you're being forced to sell your property. So it is just wrong that these agents are saying that you're going to lose out, you're not going to get market value, you're not going to get what you're entitled to if you end up in a part 10 collective sale process. Very interesting. The thing that I've been asked, Amanda, I'm not sure if you've come across this at all, is that in one of my particular schemes, there's some townhouses and some people have actually like added an extra floor. And basically, the UE hasn't changed. Mm -hmm. So even though their market value is higher, if they were to sell privately, but through the UE process, it won't be because their UEs will reflect the UE of another townhouse that doesn't have the additional floor. So how does yeah. that all work? Well, the legislation has this two-step process and it's a, a little bit complicated. I'm working with a building at the moment, working through it and have given them some guidance on it. Essentially, the way it works is that the properties are valued by a qualified valuer and it's worked out based on your property. So if you've got that extra floor, then that's going to be part of the market value what the value should be. And then there's an, a lump sum figure that's worked out for the entire building. So all your lots and common property. Mm -hmm. That figure, you're right, Rena, is then distributed on a unit entitlement basis, but you mm -hmm. must not get less than what they call your compensation value, which is that first amount that the value are worked out. So oh, whatever okay. your distribution is on a unit entitlement basis, it can't be less than, than and the term used in the Act is compensation value. And the compensation value is basically that market value at the highest and best use. And any valuers listening who are familiar with this process, uh, you're the experts in this. If I've got any of that wrong, please don't hesitate to reach out. It's important to get it right. But that's my understanding of how the Act has a safety net there for exactly what you're saying, Rena, when there is an issue with unit entitlement. So they may not accurately reflect the market yeah, the value. value. Yeah. Yeah. Wonderful. Okay. Your win for this week, Rena. Um, well, I've got a scheme that's had a firewater issued last year and um, it's an older scheme. I think it's about 
70 years old, um, beautiful building, but unfortunately, you know, the amount of work that has to be done to comply with the fire regulations is quite onerous. It's City of Sydney, which is also quite a very diligent council when it comes to enforcing the fire orders and timetables. And um, the ceilings obviously were not fire rated and we were lucky enough to have a fire engineered solution where we use a intermescent paint system, which is applied to the underside of the, of the ceiling, Amanda, which mm. means it will save on cost. I mean, it's hugely more economical to apply the paint than to actually have to remove all the ceilings. And people will have to still move out nevertheless, but Mm -hmm. when the ceiling is being removed and then new one replaced, it'll take much longer. So at least with the paint, um, it'll mean that residents will still have to relocate, but it'll be for a much shorter period. So yeah, everyone was Mm. quite happy because we're talking about hundreds and thousands of dollars difference in the cost. Yeah, excellent. Isn't it clever that they have that uh, intumescent, I love that word, intumescent paint system to be able to fire rate ceilings. I think that's great. And this is what I love about Strata. I love about the space we're working in that people are incredibly innovative and coming up with these different ways of doing things, whether it's a legal solution or a fire safety solution. I love hearing about these new uh, progressions in technology. Yeah, definitely. Excellent. Now, my win for this week, this is something I've been wanting to touch on for a little while now, uh, and it's a little bit similar to what I just spoke about with my challenge, but I have been helping a couple of buildings who are in the way, let's say, in the way of the new WestConnex project that's happening here in Sydney, where we're expanding one of our arterial freeways. These buildings are in the way of that, and so the New South Wales government has sent them a notice saying, we want to acquire part of your common property for the purpose of our new road and we are going to buy that property and we're going to give you some compensation as well. So there is a very strict process for that and as I mentioned earlier, it is under the Just Terms Compensation Act here in New South Wales. There's a process of valuations, the government gets a valuation, the building is or the landowner, whether that's a strata building or a freestanding house, they're entitled to get their valuation, they're entitled to get legal advice and that's where I have been involved with these buildings to let them know uh, what their rights are and what additional compensation they might be able to claim. So sometimes we're looking at generally the buildings I've been involved in, we're looking at commercial buildings and uh, factory units. Mm. So part of their common property is going to be taken up by this road and they're entitled to be properly compensated for that acquisition. And I'm not sure, Rena, if you have come across any of these with the buildings no, that you're working actually with. Haven't, but I was going to ask you, Amanda. Does the um, government pay for the legal advice and costs that the Owners Corporation has to incur to get that advice? Because obviously. If they hadn't wanted to acquire the common property, they wouldn't have needed to spend that money. Yeah, absolutely. They pay reasonable legal expenses. So the owners corporation comes to me and says, Amanda, we've got this letter. What does it mean? And I send them a letter explaining what it means. Then absolutely Mm. they're entitled. And the couple of buildings I've been involved with, the government has been quite appropriate in reimbursing 100% of the legal fees that have been expended. So that's been a good result for those buildings. And one building in particular, it was just a slice of... um, Uh, sort of the front apron, if you like, of the building that they really weren't using. And they ended up getting a cool uh, 35 grand for that. So they were quite happy with that result. Obviously, it depends on on what is exactly being taken up and whether it's Mm. being used by the building. But a few strata schemes, no doubt, out there being involved in that acquisition process 
So something that I thought I'd raise and uh, mm. any questions from specific listeners about that, feel free to reach out to myself and Rena. That's great, Amanda. Yeah, I think it's the first time I've ever heard of schemes being partially acquired of their common property for, for this purpose. I've seen like houses down at Concord and Strathfield, mm. like the whole houses have gone, but I haven't come across obviously parts of buildings or parts of their common property anyway. So that's interesting. Yeah. And the important thing to remember with that process is that it does have strict timeframes. So there is a particular type of notice, which is called a PAN, a proposed acquisition notice. And once that is issued, you've got 90 days to to negotiate a purchase price with the government and if you haven't reached agreement in that 90 days then they will set the price and that's where you kind of hear these horror stories of people missing out on getting market value and compensation for their property because they haven't met that 90-day deadline they haven't negotiated a result and if you want to challenge that after that 90 days you then have to go to the land and environment court so Mm. uh, but in my experience the government gives plenty of time before that notice is issued to yeah. for you to go and get your valuation, to talk to your lawyer and to come up with a figure that you think is reasonable and compensates you appropriately. It's oh, great news. All right. Well, I think that's it for me this week. Rena, how about you? Yeah, all good. Looking forward to the weekend. Yes, enjoy and keep planning for that big trip you've got coming up. I'm excited to hear more about it. Yeah, definitely, Amanda. See you next time. Bye. Thank you for listening to Your Strata Property, the podcast which consistently delivers to property owners reliable and accurate information about their strata property. You can access all the information below this episode via the show notes at www.yourstrataproperty.com.au. You can also ask questions in the comments section, which Amanda will answer in her upcoming episodes. How can Amanda help you today? today?